0: Welcome to Fortress of Faith with Tom Wallace, calling North America to repentance and revival. Welcome once again to the Corner of Truth and Courage. You're listening to Fortress of Faith. Well, they've been telling us that yesterday the population clock, which of course is an estimate, has now reached 8 billion souls that are here on this earth 8 billion that is huge that's amazing what's interesting is how quickly our population is increasing and almost doubling so fast according to records and and I, I'm I doubt whether of course we could accurately pinpoint any of this stuff, but nevertheless we do have some guides and the records say that back in the eighteen hundreds, eighteen oh four, the world population reached one billion people. So it took since Christ eighteen hundred years, and prior to that we estimate, you know, the old testament period going all the way back to Noah there were eight people on the face of the earth then but going all the way back to the time of Christ we're probably looking at an existence of this world of about five to six maybe seven thousand years. so by uh, 1800s you know that's about um, 200 years ago it took the world population to reach 1 billion then it started growing, it only took 127 years, 1927, for it to get to 2 billion. But I remember when I was in Bible college. In Bible college in 1987, when I graduated, the world population had reached 5 billion. 5 billion. And I've been watching this quickly grow. It took 12 years for it to reach another billion by 1999. Another 12 years. For it to reach another billion, seven billion by 2011. And now it's only taken 11 years, we've shaved off a year to reach eight billion people. Eight billion. Now, uh, those who are the environmentalists, those who are in this panic that we are killing the resources of this world, we're burning up our climate. We're doing all these things and, you know, we all should be afraid, very afraid and, you know, man's to blame and, and all that. Um, Something occurred to me probably about 20 years ago, maybe, maybe more about all these environmentalists there. Their fear, you know, I used to kind of just shake my head at them and just say, you know, they're just crazy people. But. If you think about it for a moment, these people who do not know God, if you do not have a God that sustains everything and that uh, he is sovereign and that his creation is sufficient for the needs of those whom he created, if you don't have a belief and a knowledge and an understanding of that God, then you're left with just whatever you, th- you know see that this world is doing and what man is doing, and you have no control. Now, we as Christians, as believers in God, we understand we have no control, but we're not in a panic. We have nothing to panic about. Why? Because God is in control. He is the one who makes the order and allows chaos. And how did it all get in here in the first place? Well, it was because of our sin, because of our disobedience, and God has left us to the consequences of that. But in the end of things there, God still remains sovereign and in control of that. So as Christians, we have no fear and no panic in these things. Now, that doesn't mean that we could and should live in wild abandon on the planet that we live in and not give any care to it. No, God gave us charge to dress it and to keep it. We are to be stewards of this world. So that doesn't mean that we Uh, Because we're not living in a panic and, you know, believing that, you know, the resources are going to end one day or we're going to burn up the ozone and, and, you know, all that stuff and the seas are going to rise and swallow us up. Even though we know we have no fear of those things, we still have a responsibility to be uh, the stewards that God ordained for us to be. So don't be wasteful, don't be uh, foolish and, and, a, uh, and litter and just leave this world in a, with a scar on it. No, treat the creation that God has made with, um, with respect to the God who created it. Love it, enjoy it, um, and fear the one who made it. Don't fear how man fears. We have no need to do that, and so there, those that are, you know, of the mindset that the environment's, fa- you know, fading away, and mankind is killing it, and, and, and before long, and they, and some have already gone down this avenue. Well, we've got to destroy men and keep them from growing, and so you know, people are saying, well, we need to stop the birth of certain people who are undesirable and all that stuff. So, you know, the wickedness of man and the imaginations of man has, has already taken hold to some respect of that. As Christians, as children of God, we have something beautiful to embrace, and now more people to enjoy it with. <laughs> Don't panic. Don't worry that we're going to run out of resources. It's not going to happen. Uh, Let me share some Bible with you here. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. Just read verses 16 through 19 and just sink in these thoughts about God. The Bible tells us in this letter that Paul writes to the believers in Colossae. He says to them in verse number 16, for by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth visible and invisible, whether there be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. All that we have, everything that's here, even the governments that are here in this world is because God has ordered it. He is the creator of all things. And so, uh, Everything we have, we have it because of him. Now it goes on to say in verse number 16 that he was here long before it was created, and he is before all things. And by him, now get this, all things consist. They consist. Not only has he created all things, he keeps it here. It's here. There's a balance. It's in his hands. They, we, we don't have to worry about this. We don't have to lose sleep over this, verse number 18. And he is the head of the body of the church and from the beginning of the firstborn, from the dead, and, and that in all things he might have preeminence. He should have and, and deserves and rightly has uh, the right to the first rank, to be preeminent in this world. In verse number 19, I don't fully understand this, but I like it. It says, for it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. I have no idea what fullness, what this truly means, but it all dwells within him. It's all in his hands. And my friends, you and I do not have to worry about it. My son brought this to my attention a number of years ago. He is a bit of a mathematic whiz. He's taught math uh, after graduating from high school. Uh, sorry, from from um, college. He went to teach math in, in public school system there, and and he's a qualified uh, actuary, and he just loves crunching numbers. Man, when he was just a young teenager, I think 14, we were we were driving down the road, and he was doing these algorithms in his head, saying, you know, we pass this car, and he say you can divide that license plate into nine seven hundred and thirty-two times, and he look over to the other side and look at another. The license plate, and you divide that one into nine by four hundred and something. Wow, it's just kind of crazy. Well, he introduced to me what what is called the uh, Fibonacci sequence, where God has put the you know within a number sequence the patterns of this world is all it all has a beautiful design how trees and the pattern of trees and their leaves and, and the flower petals and pine cones. And, you know, on this level, you got so many, and on the next level, you're going to have so many, and the next level, you're going to have so many, and these consistent sequences and order that we see in it, even in the proportions of our body and proportions of nature. And we even use this in architecture today because of the, you know, uh, it just, how God has created this world, and we can see his beauty and his hand. And so when we see and hear these numbers there of our world growing and huge numbers and population growth, some are going to fear. But for us, let's rejoice, rejoice that this is God's creation. But let me leave this one last challenge with you. That also means there's more people that need to be reached for Christ. That means that there are more people that have a soul that is bound for an eternal place one day. And I wonder how many of us will be able to leave this world and go to, and, and you know we're thankful the gospel came to our address. We're thankful that someone took the time to open the Bible and explain it to us. Maybe it was our parents, and maybe it was because someone took us to church, and, and at church, a Sunday school teacher, or during the preaching of a message, or maybe we turned on the radio, and there was a preacher there, uh, uh, who people who supported so that he could be on the air, and to preach the gospel, and to share the salvation message, and they heard it, and they believed, and were changed and uh and and, and you're going to have when you leave this world you'll have the promise of heaven because you trusted in the blood of Jesus Christ for the atonement to pay the penalty of your sin debt and uh, and you accepted the gospel and the work of Jesus Christ to purchase your salvation and you're a child of God but i wonder if you come to the end of your world the end of your days will you have shared that good news, that gospel with someone else, and led them to that glorious uh, uh, knowledge and becoming a born-again Christian. What a sad thing it would be to go through your existence to have the gospel, but not have someone, some kind of heritage that you can leave behind and say, I I shared the gospel with so-and-so, and and that person got saved. My neighbor got saved. My colleague at work got saved. My best friend, my partner got saved, or my child got saved, or my brother got saved, or my uncle got saved because I had the courage to share with them the good news that someone shared with me. If you've not had that privilege, then would you make a determination— that you're not going to leave this world with that on your record. Rather, you're going to do your best. If you don't know how, learn. Go to your pastor. Say, Pastor, I, I'm, I'm embarrassed, but I, I don't know how to lead someone to the Lord. I want to change that. Um, I shouldn't leave here with that excuse and say that, well, I didn't know how. Uh, uh, learn and share the faith with others. And if you've been, if you've led people to the Lord, have you done so this last year? If not, let's not finish this year without leading someone to the Lord. Carry a track, do something, learn how to share the gospel, and let's reach this world for Christ. That's going to be it for today. We'll be back in again about 24 hours, so join us then at the Corner of Truth and Courage. God bless you.